Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to chop the weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim, trim your holes safely and efficiently. I am talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our, our audience. You're going to use code CORKED. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. You're going to join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. I'm not going to lie, though, Rach. It looks like we could probably use that too. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, in addition to the fact that we love their underwear, I'd love the fact that, I mean, a lady's parts need to be kind of taken care of as well. Um, They are here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring training, spring cleaning, spring training's over. But Rach, you know how much I love the smell of their stuff where I'll smell it and it's like, I'm going to have a baby in nine months. That's really good. I know. <laughs> uh, and speaking of smelling fresh, you're going to complete your grooming game this spring with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. You guys, I'm not kidding. This stuff is legit and will have you smelling like royalty. I have men in my life that I can give this to, but they will not have it because it smells so good. I have candles that smell like men um, and it's just fantastic. And I think we can all agree, doesn't matter how great you're getting along with a guy, if his downstairs is not put together, we will not end up together. Facts. I was born for this. I was born for, I was born for this. Okay. Oh, it's not a popper, it's a twist off. That was super anticlimactic. Damn it. Well, back, welcome back to another episode of Quirked Up, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm Rachel. Cheers. <laughs> I'm Jess. I'm Rachel. Cheers. Cheers. I'm doing champagne today. I'm doing just like straight vodka. Ooh, there we go again. That's the Russian in me right there. Just like last time, this is her third um cup of vodka so it's going to be interesting and um before we get into what we're going to talk about why don't you give them a hint and give them the wide word mamacita actually since i think the rules are reversed today why don't you give them the wine word today you are correct love um the wine word today is media and that is because i am going to be in the hot seat today rachel is going to be asking all the tough questions about the media about covering baseball. Um, and she's has a lot of pent up resentment and she's going to take it out all on me. Um, and I just hope we're still friends at the end of this rage. So every time she says media, probably with a heightened intensity, um, getting a little hyphy over here, you're going to take a drink of whatever you are drinking. And I'm actually going to chug a little bit of this because I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm a little nervous. You should be, um, just to start out and, uh, you know, throw you a little curveball here. Uh, how do you feel about the Rockies GM stepping down today? Um, I feel like it was supposed to happen, right? Um, but then there was so much turmoil that happened. And I'm, I'm quoting turmoil just because I think we all know how the public reacted to the Nolan Aaron auto trade, um, everything that happened with the all-star game um, and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, a lot of these decisions from what I've noticed over the years, it kind of reminds me of like a team where if it's a really shitty season, it's easier to fire the manager as opposed to all 26 and 40, 40 guys. Um, so I think it was kind of written in the cards. So I did notice though on Twitter with the announcement today, not many people were surprised. Now, do you think that 
it was a little bit unfair that I think the, I think we can all agree that ownership oftentimes has, you know, some involvement in some of these big moves, such as I'm guessing the Arenado decision to move him and then pay to have someone else take him. Do you think it was a little unfair that he got, he had to kind of take the brunt of that and make those decisions, which I'm guessing ownership kind of supported. And then they made him the fall piece and booted him. I do. I agree. Um, However, I feel like when you are a manager or general manager, you kind of go into that knowing it. I think about the Astros, right? We think of AJ Hinch. He's very open of the fact he had nothing to do with the cheating, but he understood why he got fired. Right. So, I mean, I don't know this, the GM's re their former GM's reaction to it. I, but I do agree. Yes. Totally unfair in certain um, avenues and aspects of it, but they need to make one guy, the bad guy, you know, and ownership kind of their way up there. I mean, monetary value is involved. They have all the money and obviously the manager had nothing to do with it. Manager never has anything to do with it. The GM is the guy who, or girl who they're going to go to and say, well, you made this decision um, or you were attached to this decision, what have you. I felt like that was the more, the easier guy to let go, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I, I can respect that take on it. Um, now I guess we're just going to get into kind of to start, tell, tell us like, what does the media do? This is your season. This is your time. What is a day in the life of Jess Kleinschmidt or, you know, any other media person? What is it like? What do you do? So for me, I have such a unique role because I do so many different things. I'll give you like my busiest day scenario. Um, First things first, I check um, A's media availability. So we usually have um, a a player, either um, the guy, like a a reliever or a player available to us um, first thing in the morning during game day. We'll ask him some questions on Zoom. Bob Melvin's going to be available anywhere from one to two hours before the game. Um, so before that goes, I'm prepping questions. I'm read. I'm listening to stuff the night before, reading up all the articles that I wrote. Or if I was off, I read what somebody else wrote. Just kind of get myself together on that. Of course, look over the raw or the lineup and see if Bob did anything different. So I'll ask him those questions and I'll listen to that. Um, and then I'll prep for that. And then I get ready for the actual game. Um, which means I have an A's pregame meeting and I'll see if they need me for anything. So if I have to write about an article, I do that prep for that. Um, And that's usually just like makeup. That's what takes the most amount of time is the makeup. So I do that. And then um, I usually will have like a time kicked out from two hours before first pitch up until four hours after the last out. Um, So I'm doing in-game highlights. um, And then after I'm I'm done with my A's pregame hit, Um, I'll cut the pregame hit, probably right off of it. I might have a player one-on-one interview just if that's exclusive to NBC sports. So I'll get that done. Um, and then in-game highlights. So it could be like Jed Lowry hits his millionth double, um, or, you know, Trevor Bauer throws the ball with an eye closed. I'll write on that. Just like those types of fun moments that I totally get off of because it like gets more people paying attention or, you know, the A's. If Matt Olson has a, his 11th game hitting streak, that kind of stuff. Post game, I listen to all the post game availability stuff, unless I have to be on camera for A's post game, I'll do that. Um, so then I'll write an after game kind of deal after I've talked to the pitcher, 
the player and uh, Bob Melvin after the game. And then um, depending on what time the game ends, I'm probably there two, three, four hours after the last pitch um, doing all the other stuff. But I'm also covering all the other teams in the Bay Area too. So if I have to write a Warriors piece, a Niners piece, just kind of get myself up to date on that stuff, write something quick on them. And then by then I can hopefully go to bed. <sighs> Sounds like a very full day. Yes. Uh, what do you do when there is nothing that exciting to write about? Like, how? I mean, do you just kind of try to make something out of nothing? Like, do you yes ever know? I yeah. it's, luckily I have a lot of evergreen shit kind of in my back pocket. So if like Bob Melvin told me this funny story, he told me this one or Boog Shambi told me this one funny story about how Bob Melvin was superstitious, which he's very superstitious. I could use that for anything. Um, or, you know, an interview I did with, or I, I'll ask Shamanaya a question. It could be evergreen, just like his mentality this season and everything like that. Or I asked Bob Melvin about the replay. I'm waiting for the A's to get fucked over by a replay so I can use that interview. So there's always stuff in the back pocket that we can use. And obviously that stuff's not gonna be time sensitive, but like I said, if there's nothing happening with the A's or the Giants, Steph Curry probably did something I can write about. Draft is coming up. There's tons of draft content and everything like that. So I, 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 I mean, I don't know if you know, I fucking hate being bored. So I try so hard to do something. Or if I'm super, super bored, I'll pop on a podcast and listen to that. Or even just like train myself to be better on camera. I have little tricks that I do with that. So I try well, to teach me those. Yeah, I will. I will. Definitely will. Um, and then, you know, or I'll search like what everybody else is writing about and see what's trending and see if there's like an A's or a Giants tie. And I'll just text or tweet or call somebody be like, Hey, will you help me with this thing? I'll find some shit to write about. I always try to just because I, I hate wasting time and there's always content that needs to be made. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, let's kind of go back to, you know, this off season, um, there were, I guess that was my first experience really having to deal with, you know, deal with the media. Um, in a negative way, of course. In a, in a negative way. Um, so I guess, first of all, let's start with how, how do you, how do you get your information? Where are you getting it from when you put out, whether it's rumors or whatever it is in the off season, how are you getting that information? And it's funny you asked that. And there's um, a colleague of mine who actually kind of egged me about Trevor. And they were like, all you have to do, it just has to be a little rumor and then you can report on it. And I was like, well, what classifies as a rumor? And they'll, and yeah, this is really interesting. And they'd be like, well, have you and Rachel talked about anything? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So it was just, so rumors could be, we could twist the fuck out of something. So say, okay, Rachel, so that's, that, that is encouraged is what you're saying. It's encouraged just to put something out there. And I, I can't, I don't know if I want to say it's encouraged, but I have been told all you need is a rumor, which I both understand and don't Right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the off season because like, I do get off on some of these rumors, mainly just from like a baseball junkie perspective where I'm like, would Trevor Bauer be great for the Giants? Would he be great on this team or that team? Or like, wait a second, Bryce Harper, there's no way he's going to the Phillies. Well, fuck me, dude. So it's kind of like that. But then a lot of these things are we aggregate. So say, for instance, it's like, but you have to be careful about these sources. So like there's certain MLB writers that I will or will not quote aggregate from. And that just means like, hey, well, maybe John Morosi tweets something out about a source. I would have to report on that. So that'd be like, I report that. 
and that's not unless I get confirmed whether it's from an agent or the player himself, which I've done before. Um, if I hear a report from somebody who's being looked at by the Giants or the A's, I'll either talk to the player, talk to their agent, or actually talk to somebody on the team. And um, there's very few people, because you know me, I don't give a fuck about that shit. I really don't care about breaking news. But if something falls into my lap, I want to be, I'm curious about it. You know, like there was um, Dan Straley, friend of the pod, um, he was being looked at by the Giants. And I got that confirmed by a very trusted resource. And, um, and so I wasn't going to write on it if I didn't feel like it wasn't legit. So just the thing that I love is like, I've developed such a good relationship with some of these people where if they tell me something and they tell me straight up, like, Hey, this is off the record, which you've done many times. You said like, don't say anything. I'm like, cool. Like I won't, but there's also the times where I have to ask I'm like, well, Hey, like this is great information, but are you telling me this as a friend? Are you just drunk right now? And you want to like vent, like, what's the deal? And I feel like that's way I would totally rather just listen to somebody that needs to vent about some bullshit, then be like, Ooh, my journalistic mind is going off because I want to create my own shit. I don't need anybody. So that's where I come from. And yeah, but we have been told, Oh, it's all we need is a rumor. And I'm lucky enough where I have certain editors that are fantastic though. And I'll be like, yeah, I've heard this, but it's off the record. Um, and I'm not going to report on it. Or I've even told you like stuff like that was that Trevor was linked to certain teams. I'm like, well, if, okay this report says he's linked to the giants. I'm not going to write on that because I have a personal relationship with his agent. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And a lot of times I know it's not true. Not saying this specifically with giants and the, the Bauer, but I'll just like, this is like not even true. Like, but if, but go for it. You guys can write it. My byline. I don't want that. So, and, I, and I'm lucky enough where I have cool editors that are, that are great about that. Right. So, so I feel like sometimes though with the media, and at least this is kind of my experience with it, where they will write something and now it makes sense about this whole rumor thing, like, you know, run with the rumor, who cares? It just makes for good clickbaity things. Right. I feel like sometimes though, there are writers who will know from other sources that this is probably not true, but it makes for a clickbaity piece. So they'll write about it. Right. And I guess my question is, is that kind of where, would you draw the line there though? Would you choose, if you know deep down this is not true, but you did legitimately hear this rumor, what do you choose? Do you write about it or do you just, you know? Yes and yes and no. So you can become an analyst at that point, right? So I'll hear a rumor where Joe Schmo's connected to the Diamondbacks. And I will personally know, I saw Joe Schmo pitch the Diamondbacks and the guy just dominates the Diamondbacks. Whether I know this is real or not is fine. I could put that in the article or I could just create a really interesting piece because sometimes you think about it like, dude, this guy like can just dominate at Chase Field, which is difficult to do because everybody goes off at Chase Field. And it's a good conversation piece to have. And, and you can say like, oh, a source says this is incorrect, but I kind of like the thought of this guy going to the to this team, which is cool. Like that just makes me a baseball junkie. And you're like, Ooh, I would love to see this guy just go crazy at chase or dominate the NL West. Or he has this personal relationship with the catcher on an NL West team. And like, you can create all these cool scenarios, but it depends on how crazy that scenario goes. Or if it's literally like Jessica, it's not true. And I was told that 
same thing. I'll pass it off to somebody who maybe wants to write it before I do and everything like that. But if I can be an analyst and still say, I'm fine with that. Like as an, like as an agent, even in the off season with, you know, Bauer, I'm totally fine reading someone talking about why this team, they personally believe just analytically looking at it would be a great fit for the, I'm fine with that. Where I'm not fine with, what I'm not fine with is when they write, you know, Bauer, you know, flew to X location to meet with Y's GM for right. dinner. And we hadn't even talked to that yeah. team yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that, I mean, that's something, luckily that's out of my like range or whatever, but, and I remember like a scenario that you told me about with that, but it's also like, I, and I, I and they, I've seen the way that the media is like approached you too. Like they'll like kind of be a dick and text you and be like, is this even true? Not like, Hey, how's it going? That's it. That's so I think maybe this is just like my feelings towards the media. Sometimes one, I don't know if you guys realize that you're not the only person texting the media or texting the agent. Like if an agent has a big player that everyone is curious about, sometimes I feel like every media person that texts like me or who, you know, any other agent feels like they must be the only ones, you know, trying to get this information when they're like the, you know, 400th person that day and you're from a random market and you're like, you're trying to get this information. I've had media people who I don't know who have no connection to me whatsoever who will like ask me can I break the story for you like why do you think I would choose you you know like I give this to you yeah but I don't know that's kind of my my feelings on it um kind of going off of this though I don't do you know and I'm not saying you have to answer for you specifically but I I always wonder about you know, the accuracy of what what is reported and what are the standards that, that you guys are kind of held to and expected to, you know, like hold yourself to when it comes to reporting things like saying, you know, sources saying Trevor Bauer has signed, has come to a deal with this team when it's not true. Are there repercussions? Is it better are you encouraged just to get that out there, you know, say 5 million things that are, you know, incorrect, but one ends up being true and, and that's all that matters. Are you held accountable for the incorrect things? How does that work? Um, so I've been on both sides of it. Like I've broken news before and I've been, and I've reported on a report before. So say for instance, John Heyman says Bauer to the Dodgers. I would trust that source because it's John Heyman. And if I were to say, if I were to write something up on that, by the way, take that back. He right. is not accurate. Yeah, for sure. I would con- probably, in this case, I would confirm it with you and I would, or, or the, the situation and then go about that. And I could say, okay, a source confirmed to NBC sports, California or Bay area, because the Dodgers would have a giant's ties to be Bay area. And, 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 in that case, I can say, well, you know, and, and, and that's where we can see those, those sources that we trust. There are certain reporters who will be like, probably don't run with that because it's a certain person who is full of shit or whatever. Um, so we'll wait for maybe Ken Rosenthal to say something or Morosi. And I know you have certain p- 
people that you may or may not think they're accurate, but from a sort a person where I'm reporting from, they'll say, Hey, this person said it, go ahead and say that this is somebody else reported on it, whether I can confirm it or not. If I can confirm it, it's an extra thing. Like, Oh, they confirmed to NBC sports, California. Um, great. But sometimes it's good to have it out there just to say that we're keeping an eye on it. We're watching it. What have you, that type of stuff. But what happens if like, how do your employers handle if you were to break something and again you don't have to necessarily comment on you specifically but just in your industry in general when you're the direct source that that reports on something and it is false is it just like eh, oh well no big deal are you kind of you know expected to explain yourself like where'd you get this information and you know like next time be better be more accurate or like do does nobody care so sometimes it depends. So like when I broke the Tatis information, I, my, one of my editors asked, well, who's your source? And I couldn't hundred percent tell him, but I did say it's trusted. Like it, it genuinely was. And it turns out mama was right. But here's the thing. I got a lot of backlash for that when it, before, because it didn't really, wasn't confirmed until like two months later. And the thing that pissed me off the most was nobody had my back with that. Not one reporter said Jessica was first on this. Not fucking one. Not one. And I mean, Heyman did at the beginning, but it was also kind of like, all right, well, you know, and I, you saw the backlash I got from that, like really some, some sketchy ass shit. And so when it comes to sketchy ass shit, that's why I'm kind of glad I don't break these news, this news, but no, I, even at, even after the first couple months after it, before it broke officially, I didn't get any backlash, which is great because I trusted myself. I, I genuinely wouldn't have put that out there because I was trusting this source for the last six months that has given me a lot of information over the last six months. And I wouldn't have written anything about breaking your sources if it wasn't correct, but no, to this day, if I've done anything that was incorrect, I have not been fired. So, but I mean, and I don't expect someone to get fired, but I feel like there has to be some sort of, I would expect some level of accuracy that they kind of expect from their feel like they're that has gone out the window like it's okay just rumors are fine to put out there they don't have to have any level of accuracy and nobody cares anymore Mm -hmm. and I think as an agent that's where we get frustrated because fans believe I think like they feel the same way I do in terms of what I expect is that in that there's some level of, you know, there's some standards you're held to when in reality there isn't necessarily. And so fans just think if a media reports it, it must be fact. Yeah. And I, and I understand that. And I feel like it's like, even my mom, God bless her. She'll talk shit about the media all the time over dinner with me. And And I'm just like, parents talk about how awful lawyers are to my face all the time. I'm like, I'm just sitting there like, media pays my paycheck but all right jan chill so i so i get it and you know people outside of sports will lump me into all of media which is which i understand because when it comes to like important shit like when i was covering covid at the beginning of all this covid shit i couldn't just be this funny little blogger who talks shit about baseball people sometimes I had to like be a reporter you know I had to be accurate about the testing and like what was going on and the shutdowns and stuff because 
you have, you have to, right. So it's kind of interesting from that dynamic. And so that's why I try to balance that all out. And do you think, I don't know, you haven't really been around. I mean, I haven't been in baseball before that, before the Twitter era either, but Mm -hmm. Do you think Twitter has changed the way media operates? Um, my sense, and kind of from some people who've been in the industry a while, they've kind of expressed to me that media used to be much more journalistic. You used to get pieces and and stories and information that that there was a lot of research that went into it versus now it's like just fire off rumors and gossip on Twitter. And that counts as being like a journalist or a media person, just tweet 140 characters of whatever and you know see how many you can put out a day. Do you think Twitter has changed you know, how media operates? 100%. There's the Adam Schefters of the world who And like TMZ, TMZ will know you're dead before you do. Like, that's just how it works. And I think that's both beautiful and not. And, you know, I love my my favorite part of my job is a like inspiring people and talking to people. But the other part is storytelling. It's my favorite part. I absolutely love sitting down with somebody and being able to tell their story. And I don't, I can do that, but then I also have to push out two articles of trending stuff on social media, which I still love. I feel like, I I mean, I love all the fun stuff and like what's trending on social media can be very important, you know? Um, But I don't think that we have like the solid journalists from back in the day. I mean, mind you, I, I always wanted to be a journalist, but I, I didn't, I wasn't raised to like read newspapers necessarily. Like that wasn't really part of my upbringing. I like journalism because I honestly wanted to be on TV when I was little, that was what it was. And then now, now that I'm doing that, I kind of find myself trying to, you know, and I'm definitely extra careful, especially after learning from you and stuff. Like I definitely want to be extra careful, but I also know that like, like with the rumor that I got with Tatis Jr., it there was still more developing stuff that had to be done um, and numbers can change and things can change last minute. So even, even and Trevor Plouffe will tell you this too, because now that he's kind of in the, the media perspective, some stuff will fall into his lap. And especially during COVID when everything was fluid, he could quote report on something and yeah, sure he was accurate, but then two days later, it'll change. So it's kind of like, it's like that. And I can't even imagine, I mean, look at numbers, you know, every single day, Matt Olson slash lines are ch- changing. So literally my, my shit's not going to be accurate always. So, and not just from a perspective, but Olson can be batting 275 one day and then 310 the next week. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like from that perspective and you have to kind of suck that part up. Um, but I feel like, I mean, Twitter was the, is the reason why I'm here right now, period, period. And I, and I think that had a lot to do with a, I can create content, but I'm more approachable too. And so I feel like that's what I love about Twitter and all that. Cause you can do so many things, but Twitter a hundred percent changed journalism forever. Yeah. I mean, Twitter's the reason that you and I are here. Exactly. Too. Mama I, slid into my DMs, bitches. I did. That was the best DM I've ever slid into. Yes. I, I don't, I don't sometimes regret DMs, but oh, yeah. this one, I, <laughs> same, so 
Same. Yes. Um, I have like one more question for you. And that is what is it's two part question. Like what is the dumbest question you've ever asked a player and where you're just like, God damn it after. And how there was, I think there was something recently where a player like told you guys to do better, like be better. Tell us about that. Okay. So the, I actually had like the dumbest question ever, uh, most recently. And that was with Cole Urban. It really wasn't that bad. So Cole did not have a great outing, like call spade a spade and Cole's like, he dances and he's fun. So you could tell he had a shitty outing, whether you knew his numbers or not, it was whatever. So he sits down, he's talking to us. And I was like, Hey, Cole, how's it going? He's like, fine. And instead of just like saying like, all right, asking the question, I go, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to like heighten the fact, Oh, your outing wasn't great. Cool. Well, I'm going to hit you with the question anyway. And I don't, I don't even remember what the question was, but I asked it. But I was so awkward saying like, oh, sorry, to the point where people were texting me like, why did you say sorry? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, (laughs) mind you, this just happened this season, like after covering the A's for three seasons and feeling great about myself. And even I don't even feel uncomfortable when I don't ask a question right. And I have to repeat myself. That doesn't bother me. But when I say sorry, asking, how are you? And he, you can clearly see he's not great. Like that's, that made me feel like an asshole. But he was, of course, amazing about it. He's a precious baby angel. But Frankie Montas, friend of Momentum, we love him. Mr. Resting Smiley Face, I call him. So we he had an, um, after an outing, and he pitched really well. I think he was talking to us maybe a minute and a half. And we were done with him. We done. We were asking all the questions. And he was like, is that it, y'all? Like, come on, like, do better. So his next outing... I didn't have a question for him, but he wanted me to do better. So I asked him, I was like, hey, Frankie, I have to ask you a question because you wanted us to do better. Frankie gets the biggest smile on his face. We all melt. And I'm like, if Frankie Montes tells you to be better, you fucking be better. You be better. So it's cool. I mean, obviously I have a different dynamic. Like I actually love talking to the guys. Like, so it's, it's my favorite part, but you know, we all ask the stupid questions. However, the day that I ask Mike Trout, Mark Hanna, anybody. Hey, you went 0 for 4. How do you feel? I will fire myself. Oh, um, that was, and so that we were talking about this earlier, but that was uh, Archie Bradley. I think it was on a Bauer Bites episode that Momentum filmed during spring training last year. He talked about the media asking, he blew, he came in as the closer, I think, and blew a save um for the Diamondbacks in the postseason and it was like one pitch he threw gave up a home run ended it and right after a media person asked him you know do you regret throwing that pitch and he just he's like I just looked at him like what the fuck do you think like duh I regret throwing it I just cost my entire team like advancing in the postseason (laughs) what kind of fucking question is that? Do I regret Like, No, I don't regret it at all. Like I'm, I'm fine going home. And sometimes I just think media people ask these questions that you're just like, everyone fucking knows the answer to that. I will say though, it did create a good soundbite. Well, there you go. Do it for the soundbite. I do like when they can literally tell me to fuck off. I, not like with those words, cause they wouldn't, but just be like, 
I want Montes to tell me to do better. Fuck yeah, I should do better. Walker Bueller. I remember in the uh, last po- or in this past postseason when I think they lost and he had his really tight pants on and they asked about that and he just looked and he was like, now is not the time. Like right. whatever. Oh, that's right. Was and he like said his name and I remember I was like, oh, him saying. I, I will say when a player calls you by your name, like that's when you know you fucked up. Like yeah. now's not the time. Like like yeah. you know you're just like now's not the time, Jess. You're like all right, yeah, all right, I, I fucked that one up. Yeah, yeah. I'm like touche. I yeah. understand. Like. Like I need to be called out sometimes, often. Like somebody recently thought they asked and like, and that's the thing too. I I know there are stupid questions, but like the other day I, I talked to Sean Manaya and I, and I phrased the question weird just cause I was like going off. And then he goes, can you repeat that? And I asked it again. He gave me a beautiful answer cause it, I wanted him to be himself, which he, he is now. And I'm just so stoked when a player is more open than they have been. So I get excited and then my, my questions will kind of go off. And, and so, but he'll even tell me, he's like, can you repeat that? I'm like, yep, totally get it. I sounded like a stupid person. So then you repeat it and it's fine. And I, I'm not scared of that anymore, but I do believe there are stupid questions and maybe I have asked it and I don't remember, but they're definitely out there. Well, if any players are listening to this and they've heard uh, if you've ever I, heard me ask a stupid question because she will personally apologize to you I will. and I will make sure I ask a stupid question every time you're available on zoom just to keep it going might as well I have a question for you Rach what if you can name one thing that the media can do better what would it be just one yeah, just because I don't think we have enough time for all of the things. Uh, yes. Um, I think the media could do better about being positive about players um, okay. and putting, making, you know, the fans, like the, what they read about players and all of these things, it, it mostly comes through you guys. I think portraying them in a positive way and finding stories that are and things to ask them about that are positive I think is much more beneficial to grow the sport because when you media people that it's like they're always trying to find dirt and you know frame things in such a negative way like one it makes the players fucking hate you and then two fans are like well this sucks like yeah awkward so I think that's how the media can be better I don't think you're bad at that at all or like I don't think you really do that but media as a whole I think they have a problem with that you know what I love to do is play devil's advocate so if there's a scenario because I was talking to Chris Bassett about it and 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 you know the eight and we you literally I don't know if I can say it, but you text me you're like why are the A's so bad right now at the beginning of the season I can't tell Chris Bassett, hey, you guys are playing swell when they're 0-6 at the beginning of the season. I straight up told him, I was like, hey, you guys heard the season 0-6. That sucked. But how are you playing now? So I don't I don't think that we need to ignore some of the shittiness because the shittiness is certainly there. But there's a difference, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, being in, spotlighting the suckiness as opposed to just being like a like somebody who's digging and being like a shitty person. And, and I think there are plenty of, 
I'm not saying, you know, you got to pretend that things are going great when they're not, but there are media, like there are media people and throughout who there are great things you can ask. And then there are things that are just like, why? I mean, what do you get out of that other than just being a dick and, you know, making it like you can paint someone in a, you know, you can talk about the really cool things about this person or the really shitty and they choose shitty. And I don't know if it's just because they think that's more clickbaity, but to be honest, like you talk about shitty things enough in the media, like fans just think in general, that's shitty, you know, or like whatever you're talking about, the subject is shitty. And I mean, like, how do you grow the sport that way? I agree. And especially in a society where we're told you have to take one or the other side, like nobody's actually going to have an open mind about shit. And I know that personally, because everybody's a lot really mad when I would rather hear both sides as opposed to just taking a side. So I, and I totally agree. It's like, well, m- why not like listen to everything? Like really listen to everything and then double check. Be like, oh, well, is it fair to say that you're pissed off right now? Is it fair to say you're happy? Is it fair to say I asked a stupid question? Like fucking double up on those questions. It's not hard. Like I, that's not, it's not a stupid question to say, is it fair to say this is how you're feeling? That yeah. is not a stupid question ever. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I think that's more than fine. Cause they'll tell you like, no, that's not fair to say. Um, but you know, I think when, when media people put words in their mouth or, or just like a question that's been asked 20 times, like pick a different one. Yeah. Like it's asked and answered, answered like next kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But, um, well, this is fun. This what I'm glad. Are we still friends? You tell me. We'll see. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Love you. Love you too.